show. Terry's out doing some apostolic work. My name is Jesse Romero, and we have a, a, a good guest on today, very relevant, A.J. Benjamin, who's written a book. It's called When the Sun Frees You. It's a 10 book, and this is a Catholic man's journey of healing from same-sex attraction. So we're going to ask him all kinds of questions about one of the most relevant topics um, of, uh, of our day and age. <clears throat> also want to remind you that the month of August, which today is the last day of August, is when we honor and devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This devotion has received new emphasis in this century as a result of the vision of Our Lady of Fatima to Sister Lucy dos Santos back in 1925 and 26. And in these visions, Our Lady asked for the practice of the five first Saturdays to help make amends for the offenses committed against her heart by the blasphemies and ingratitude of secular men. Uh, so, uh, also want to mention that if uh, you can support the show by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org, you can also find us on social media at VMP Radio and our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. You can share us with your friends and evangelize everybody that you love. Remember, we are Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Why don't we call the radio station Virgin Most Powerful? <clears throat> because this reminds us of Our Lady as a 12-star general. And uh, <clears throat> under the title of Virgin Most Powerful, this we're called to, re- to remind ourselves every single day that we've got to pray the Holy Rosary and read the Holy Bible every day because by doing so, you wound, you inflict pain, you torment and drive demons away from you and your family. So let's continue uniting our prayers every day to the heal of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And let's also unite our prayers to the sword of St. Michael the Archangel and continue delivering powerful blows to the kingdom of darkness and tear down the gates of hell, which are modernism, Marxism, and masonry. Those are the three enemies of the church, and those are the infiltrators into the church right now. This is our Esther moment. We were, we were destined and born for such a time as this, so we have to rise to the occasion. So, uh, <clears throat> America, we've got to wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Wake up to Jesus, because there will be a global warming alert one day. When is that? At the second coming of Christ. And ask yourself, am I ready? Make sure that before you die, you leave it all out in the field. Let me talk about some news items. And then I'll go into the scriptures for the day before we go. Uh, before we uh, bring on A.J. Benjamin on the second segment. A couple of news items. Voters are angry ahead of elections. Left-wing NBC anchor Chuck Todd said Sunday that a new NBC News poll found Americans are angry. 74% say the country is on the wrong track. In fact... Never before in this poll has this wrong track number been over 70% for this long. It's been nearly a year now. And 58% say Americans, America's best years are behind us. That's an all-time high in our polls, says left-wing NBC anchor Chuck Todd. Also, the ju- a judge rules that Biden must allow oil drilling. That's good news. U.S. District Judge Terry Doty, a Trump nominee, 
placed a permanent injunction against President Joe Biden's pause on federal oil and gas leasing in 13 states. The news comes after a temporary injunction against the Biden order last year. The new ruling forbids Biden to stop issuing oil leases on federal lands as Biden ordered during his first week in office. That's good news. Also, did you hear about the banning child trans surgeries? Yes. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia, announced proposed legislation that would make it a felony to subject minors to puberty puberty blockers or gender-affirming surgeries. Fox host Tucker Carlson praised Marjorie Greene's bill and suggested that he would publish a list of every Republican who's too cowardly to affirm the obvious. Also, teachers' union head faces a scandal. The new tax forms show that Becky Pringle, president of the National Education Association, the NEA, the country's largest teachers' union, pocketed $534,243 in compensation from the NEA and its related organizations between September 2020 and August 2021. During that period, Becky Pringle backed numerous left-wing political causes and fought to keep schools closed, angering parents. So it looks like uh, she was uh, taking money uh, and some certain people, certain organizations were buying her silence. That's exactly what it looks like. <clears throat> hey, let's go to the gospel of today, what we call soul food. And let me make some comments here. Today's Holy Gospel, Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. It says, After Jesus left the synagogue, he entered the the house of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was afflicted with a severe fever, and they interceded with him about her. He stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. Notice instant healing. She got up immediately and waited on them. At sunset, all who had people sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Notice the laying on of hands is a symbol of authority, patriarchal authority, showed to us by our Lord Jesus Christ, who's the ultimate patriarch. And it says, And demons also came out from many shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Let me just make a comment. There's times when Christ allows the demons to recognize his lordship and his kingship and his sovereignty. And there are other times in the gospel that he doesn't allow the demons to know who he is. So they keep asking if you, if, 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 if you are. And so Jesus Christ, because he's God, Jesus Christ can blind the demons or he can give them the ability to understand who he is. It's all up to him and his prerogative. The scripture says, At daybreak, Jesus left and went to a deserted place. The crowds went looking for him, and when they they came to him, they tried to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, To the other towns also I must proclaim the good news of, of the kingdom of God, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus Christ came to the Jews first. He went to the synagogues first. He came to preach to the to the souls, uh, the Jewish souls in Judea. I want to share another saint that's in today's Magnificat. She's like a Saint Maria Goretti. Her name is Blessed Perini Morosoni, and she died a death like Maria Goretti. Look at this amazing young lady. Her name's Blessed Purini, uh, Purina, excuse me, Purina Morosini. Morosini. She died in 1957. She was a laywoman. It says, it would be a great happiness for me to die like Maria Goretti, she said. Born in 1931, Pierina Morosini, born in 1931, near Bergamo, Italy, Pierina came from a family of nine children. Confirmed at the age of six, she began to attend daily mass, rising at 5 a.m. to do so. She entered a trade school and learned tailoring. Later on, with her father unable to work, she took a job at a textile factory and helped support the family. It is said she never complained. Purina also joined the Third Order Franciscans. She taught as a catechist and helped raise financial support for seminarians and foreign missions. Every day before she would attend Mass and receive Holy Communion, praying the rosary on her walk to church and workplace, one day as she returned home, a young man attacked her in an isolated place and attempted to force himself upon her. She fought back and was struck down and killed with a rock. Her family found her unconscious on the road, her rosary in her hand. Uh, she died two days later and is honored as a martyr of purity. I want to offer a prayer to, this, to Blessed Pierina. Compassionate Father, your daughter, Blessed Pierina, Morosini was willing to die to defend her chastity through her prayers. Grant us renewed love for the virtue of purity. Amen. And that seems to be the issue that we're all, that we're all wrestling with right now, the sixth and ninth commandment. This is the issue that devil, the devil said he would, attack, he would attack the church in the final days. He would go after the marriage and the family. And uh, Our Lady of Fatima said that he would go after us in regards to the 6th and ninth commandment. More people go to hell because of the, the violations of the 6th and ninth commandment. We're going to talk about the 6th and ninth commandment. Somebody who's been liberated from the demon of homosexuality. His name is A.J. Benjamin. He's going to be coming up on next on the Terry and Jesse show. And uh, he's a man who left the homosexual lifestyle. He's returned to the practice of his, of his Catholic faith. He's written a book via Tan. It's called When the Sun Frees You. I love that. When the Sun Frees You. This is a Catholic man's journey of healing from same-sex attraction uh, back to the Catholic faith under the arms of Jesus Christ. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't change that dial. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse's show, and I am here with uh, A.J. Benjamin. A.J., are you on? Is A.J. Benjamin on? 
uh, can't hear him, can't see him. <clears throat> We're waiting to connect with A.J. Benjamin. He wrote a book. It's called When the Sun Frees You. Okay. The book is written by Tan. And again, this is very relevant because uh, this is probably the issue that's front and center right now in the Catholic Church. And what I mean by that, this is, this is the demon that we're battling. Uh, in fact, we're battling this demon so powerfully that you also have many Catholic prelates, bishops, cardinals, and priests that are pro-LGBT and that have been discovered that they're living a double, you know, a, a, a double life, a duplicitous life. That's why this topic is so important. It's not going, it's not going away, the topic of same-sex attraction. We will be battling with this demon until the second coming of Christ. And so uh, my engineer will let me know as soon as AJ comes on. But uh, the church is very clear about this. The church is absolutely clear about this. That as Catholics, we, re- we love the sinner, but we condemn the sin. You know, we can't, we can't allow people to wallow in ignorance, family members and friends. When we are asked about these things, we must speak the truth in charity. <clears throat> the New Testament is very clear, so is the Old Testament, the entire scriptures. Every Catholic should read at least once... Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. This is the story of the way God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah by raining fire and brimstone upon it till it was totally destroyed because of the sin of rampant homosexuality being practiced. It's from Genesis chapter 19 from verses 1 to 29. This is one of those must-read stories for every single Catholic And also, in the Old Testament, it's very clear. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, Moses writes to the Levite priest, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. Close quote. So what does it mean, an abomination? The word abomination means it is depraved. It is vile. It is shameful. It is detestful. We also see in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, the Old Testament tells us, and I'll wait till Richard, Richard, let me know when uh, AJ's on. Just let me know and interrupt me. Um, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, it says, If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death their blood is upon them. So we even see here there was a death penalty offense in the book of Leviticus for these times of, of unnatural actions. It says in Psalm 11, verse 6, Psalm 11, verse 5 and 6, it says this, The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and his soul hates him that loves violence. On the wicked, the Lord rains, coals of fire and brimstone. A scorching wind shall be their portion, shall be the portion of their cup. So where else do we see? So Psalm 11 verse 6 says that God rains, that God rains coals of fire and brimstone on the wicked and that he loves the righteous. Where do we see fire and brimstones being rained upon the wicked? 
in Genesis chapter 19, verse 24. It says, Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. We also see the prophet Ezekiel. He talks to us about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, he says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, surfeit of food, and prosperous case, but did not aid the poor, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did abominable things before me, therefore I removed them when I saw it. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So the Lord is saying that he saw in the city of Sodom, God saw uh, arrogance and abominable things happening in the city of Sodom. He saw it, and this is why he removed them. What does the word abominable mean? Abominable things. It means abhorrent things. It means horrible things. It means revolting, foul, repugnant, detestable, and loathsome. What did God see? He saw the practice of open sodomy in the streets of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is why God rained fire and brimstone. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. I'm waiting for for A.J. Benjamin to come on. My engineer will let me know as soon as he gets them on. We're having some technical difficulties. But I'm talking about what the Bible Jesse, says. Jesse, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you, AJ. Hey, I how are you, Jesse? I am uh, how are better you, than Jesse? Great, great. I'm better than most. Uh, not as good as some. Well, let's get right to it. AJ, you awesome. wrote a book. Yeah, you wrote a book called When the Sun Sets You Free. Let me ask you a question, AJ. If you could have a one-on-one conversation with Father James Martin, the most openly pro-LGBT priest in the world... What would you say to him? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, I think the first thing I would ask him is, uh, what, what, are, what are your goals for ministry? Um, I know we, he talks a lot about accompanying people and meeting them where they're at. But he, uh, to me, he seems to just leave them there. Um, mm. And that's kind of different from what jesus did i mean jesus didn't go and meet with sinners so that he could just leave them there and say he was tolerant of them and accepting of them but he challenged them you know and and he 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 challenged them to be better than they thought they could be he offered them his grace to make Mm -hmm. them better and so I i would ask father martin exactly what are you offering um because it really all, all it seems is that there's a lot of you're okay the way you are um and i would also ask him and and, and you know certainly everybody at, at, as in their fundamental human dignity is you know a, a child of god in that right. sense but uh what i would say is is uh father do you believe we need a savior you know, do we do you need? Do you think we're good enough as we are, or do you think we need to go a step further? Do you think that that we can do it all on our own, and we're just fine the way God made us, 
or do we need a savior to make us everything God made us to be? Amen. Uh, Hey, you can pick up uh, A.J. Benjamin's book. It's called When the Sun Frees You, A Catholic Man's Journey of Healing from Same-Sex Attraction. You can pick it up up at tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. A.J., can you tell me a little bit about your experience as a teenager, uh, you know, the desires that you had? Uh, What was your experience in this area in, in, in terms of what is meant by gender identity as opposed to biological sex, did you enter a time of confusion yourself as a teenager? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I had always had um, uh, attractions to the same sex, even from a very early age, which uh, primarily, I believe, resulted in a, a disrupted relationship with my father and a strange, a strained relationship with my father, which kind of closed me off to the world of men. Um, and that lack of masculine identity once that once puberty hit uh became then sexualized as attractions to other men so yeah i would say i experienced a lot of confusion in that area uh and i really didn't start um uh seeking healing of that so probably i was in my 20s hmm aj you you said that you consider yourself you know a long time ago you know before your conversion that you were born gay so uh, at one point in your life, did you consider yourself born gay? And can you explain what you mean by that? And why you, why don't you believe that any longer? Sure, that, that is a great question. I think if you, if you talk to most men who experience same-sex attraction or who identify as gay or have some experience in gay culture, I think you, you'll almost universally hear that they think they were born this way, that they always felt that they were different, um, that they always felt that they didn't quite fit in or make the mark with other boys their age. They found that they were odd or, or something's just some things just didn't work for them. I was no different. Uh, and our, our sexuality is probably our one of our, our deepest modes of identification. So if something is wrong there, uh, it's going to affect our very being to the point where we are going to feel very isolated and different from those around us. And that's so pervasive that when, when uh, you hear people say, oh, I, I, was, I think I was born gay, I was always this way. As far as we know, that's kind of our, our, our own reality, you know, the way we have experienced the world. So I would have thought that as well, because I always had all those feelings that you'll hear a lot of uh, men who identify as gay as having. I always had those feelings of being different, of not being connected, etc. cetera. Um, and then, of course, that's reinforced by our educational system. Mm-hmm. That's reinforced by... Um, you know, psychological associations and things like that who are, who are, who are push, putting forth. And even in the church, we mentioned Father James Martin. He very much would follow that line. He has said that, that the, on a number of occasions. Um, and so when I was, when I was uh, experiencing these things, that's what I was really hearing. I really wasn't hearing much about the other side. That while, yeah, that may have been uh, something that you experienced, but that doesn't mean you were born that way or that you're that it that it's unchangeable or that it's always going to be that way and that's what i think uh the, the great difference was for me we're talking to aj benjamin author of the book uh, when the sun frees you 
A Catholic Man's Journey of Healing from Same-Sex Attraction. If you want to buy the book, go to tanbooks.com. Tanbooks.com. AJ, so do you consider yourself an ex-gay? You know, uh, that's a really great question. I No, I normally don't, and I'll tell you why. Because gay is really a label. It's, it's you know, before the the... the beginning of the 20th century it was not really used you know that you don't see that term really come up i mean if you look at um even look at musicals that were done in the 1950s or movies the word gay is another word for happy mm-hmm. it was really co-opted to become an identification label in the, the 1950s and 60s and then it, that kind of came to be the label by which uh, the community of people who were attracted to members of their own oh, sex okay. used got a hard break. to describe got a, themselves. Got a hard break. We'll be back with AJ Benjamin. Stick around. Don't change that dial. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. We're back. My name is Jesse Romero. We've got A.J. Benjamin, author of the 10 book, When the Sun Frees You. You can pick up that book at 10book.com. Talk about a relevant book for parents, for mom and dad, for people today. It's a Catholic man's journey of healing from same-sex attraction. So uh, we we got cut off. Uh, we had a hard break, A.J. You're talking about do you consider yourself an ex-gay? And I also want to ask you, uh, when you talk about the fluidity of sexual orientation, what does that mean? So do, are you an ex-gay? And what does fluidity of sexual orientation, what does that mean? Well, thank you. Thank you for both of those questions. Um, the, uh, the first, just to finish off the um, the ex-gay label, uh, I don't use that because if I because I, I don't identify myself as gay to begin with. I identify myself as a man who has experienced same-sex attraction. So um, I don't uh, use the gay labels. And like, so by, 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 by uh, association, I also don't use the ex-gay label because that's a label based on another label. Um, what I do say is that I have experienced same-sex attraction and have experienced uh, a change in the level of that attraction, which goes into your next questions about the, the fluidity of uh, one sexual orientation or attractions. Um, a lot of, of, of a lot of what's out there is really trying to um, a lot of the rhetoric that we're hearing is really trying to assert the idea that when we have attractions or predominant attractions to one gender or another, um, that that is somehow permanent and that's part of who we are. What the idea of fluidity says is that at certain times in our lives, certain people may feel more or less attracted to people of the same sex. For some of us, that would be a very pervasive thing that doesn't change much. For others of us, we really might not experience that much at all, or we might experience a little bit, like a lot of, a lot of times you said that happens during the teenage years and things like that when the hormones are, are racing and you, know, you may find that those, you know, those attractions to people of the same sex. Um, so what fluidity means is that it's that, that our orientation or attraction to people is not necessarily fixed in stone for every person and that people can experience changes in that and they can even um, 
do certain things that may influence whether or not that attraction is there or not. This is not to say that people don't experience same-sex attraction, but it is to say that it may not be as immutable or unchangeable as once thought. So uh, you're kind of advocating the very unpopular, politically incorrect position that orientation change is possible. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have seen it happen with myself. I know lots of other people have, that have had it happen. And it just it's kind of almost uh, I mean, they weren't so so tragic. It would be almost funny when you hear people say, no, that's not possible. And I'm thinking, well, I'm here and I'm telling you it is. And they say, well, no, there's something wrong with you. You're just suppressing it or, or whatever. And I said, well, well, no, and I'm not the only one. I can tell you I'm not just suppressing it because I've seen true meaningful change even to the point where the content of my dreams has shifted and that's not something i have conscious control over so i know that there has been a change and i i am very happily married i've been married for almost 20 years i have three beautiful children and uh you know i just thank god that he got me on this path that he got me on uh, and i wouldn't change a thing i mean it's been life's been absolutely incredible i've absolutely enjoyed um my marriage and my wife is truly my best friend and uh i it, it is possible is it am i saying that it can happen for everyone to the same degree no no one can guarantee that but it can happen for at least some of us and if it can happen for some of us then that is an option that people should be allowed to explore you can pick up the book, When the Sun Frees You, by Tan Books. The author, A.J. Benjamin, I've got him on, tanbooks.com. This is a very relevant book uh, for the times that we live in right now. So, uh, A.J., you, you're, but you're not, you're not talking about, as some would say, praying the gay away, correct? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, spirituality, of course, is, is a big part of, of any kind of meaningful change. And when we talk about changing ourselves and our behaviors and our thoughts, that's really the, the, the essence of the Christian message, that Christ has come for what the gospel called metanoia, a complete change of heart. And whether whatever you're struggling with, whether it's your, your sexual attractions, uh, some people have difficulty with anger, some people have difficulty with manipulating other people, some people have difficulty with eating disorders, with drugs, with alcohol. All of that is, is, is subject to Christ, and all of that can be healed. Does that mean you just pray, you just pray and it goes away? No, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, I've heard of people having that happen. That was not the case with me, and although you know, Christ was the center of my healing, there, were, there was other work I had to do. I had to do my homework, too. You know, I had mm. to look at my own life and my own failings and my own um, dispositions and thoughts and actually make changes to them. Uh, but the prayer is, is, is an essential component. I think if you talk to anybody, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why groups like Alcoholics Anonymous are so successful. Because although we don't, we don't, you know, God is not going to take that away per se. Um, his strength is required. You know, people who want to do any kind of meaningful change really have to have God as their spiritual center, Jesus Christ as their spiritual center to make that change happen. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. AJ, I just want to, uh, I just want to clarify something. So uh, you made the point that, and I just want to make sure I heard correctly, that 
that sex is fluid, but sexual orientation isn't, correct? No, I think it would be the, the opposite. Your, oh, the your opposite. Sex is okay. Your biological, your biolo- your biologically, your sex is what you're biologically determined to be, which is male okay. or female. Sexual orientation and attraction that may be more fluid in Got some it. people. Got it. So I had, I had. Thanks a for, thanks for clarifying that. that. I appreciate yeah. you clarifying that. Maybe I, maybe I didn't say it clearly. So yeah. I because somebody, somebody sure. just, yeah, somebody just posted, and I just wanted to make sure that they. That's what they heard, so I just want to make sure you clarified it and you did. Uh, again, what about conversion, ter- conversion therapy? That We hear a lot about it in the media. I know a lot of people in the left don't like it. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, blue states don't like it. It seems to work. I, I know it's, it was in, started by Dr. Joseph Nicolosi back in Encino, California, back in the 80s. Uh, what do you, what's your take on conversion therapy? Well, you know, it, a lot of the, the the huge problem with that is that what you're talking about um, with Nicolosi and people like that is this very specific form of therapy with very specific principles that are used. This has often been um, used and misused by other people. I mean, you hear about people, you know, getting the shock treatments and the, you know, and the the pornography exposure and things like that, that is all often lumped in with conversion therapy. And also the, uh, the, the, the name itself, conversion therapy, tends to have uh, this idea that it's, that it's a religious thing, kind of like the pray the gay away thing. Hmm. The, other, the, other therapy, the other names for it that seem to be uh, a little bit more descriptive and more accurate are either reparative therapy or restorative therapy. Now, at the root of this is, of course, that it is not a gay affirmative therapy. And I think that's what a lot of people on the left object to, because they object to anything that is not gay affirmative, which means that you just you have to accept that you are gay or you're not going to be happy. That's what gay affirmative therapy is. Mm -hmm. Um, So any so that's and that's really the only thing that's acceptable by the the elites you know in our society yeah. today so if we try to say well we can say that we affirm you as a person but we can offer you some choices in the way you want to explore your sexuality and your lifestyle we're not going to necessarily say that you have to embrace a gay identity that's that's really a, what people object to more, and, and the whole idea of conversion therapy is is kind of a, a whole separate issue. Um, but to answer your question in short, I have used the principles of it, uh, which I'm going to call reparative therapy or restorative therapy. And I, I, although I've never experienced the therapy itself, I have found that the principles worked for me in uh, integrating my own self identity as a man. AJ, I, I, I think that the, the root cause of all sexual sin, hetero or homosexual sin, is that, that primary sin of, of uh, lust uh, mentioned in Proverbs 6.16. 6, I think, again, uh, it, plays, it, it plays along with our fallen nature, and some just fall for the heterosexual lust, or some fall for the homosexual lust. But uh, how well is the church ministering to Catholics with same-sex attraction, and what would you say to a man who's struggling with sexual orientation or sexual identity? Okay, the um, the first question uh, we were, when we talked about the the root cause, I would say it's lust fueled by envy, uh, because because a lot of times it's our own 
insecurities as men that drive us to behave the way we do. And that's not necessarily limited to same-sex attraction. Right. Uh, people, men, right. for instance, who are promiscuous, mm-hmm. who are addicted to pornography, um, there, there, there's... There's reasons for that, like like same sex attraction. That doesn't develop in a vacuum. You're not born. You're not born a porn addict. You're yes. not born a a, a prom- somebody who's promiscuous. You're not born an adulterer. Okay, that 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 is that, that happens. Something that happens in our development, in our own insecurity within ourselves. Um, with specifically with same sex attraction, I think it has to do much more with envy. We we. We look at our, we look at other men, and we see what we don't have, and we want to take that. Um, we we want to kind of take that, have another man give that to us, what was fine lacking in ourselves. And I, what what surprised me too is this is not a new idea. I, I recently read uh, a book by Saint Peter Damien called The Book of Gomorrah, which I mm-hmm. highly recommend. And he he's tackling the this issue among the clergy a thousand wow. years ago and he says the exact same thing he says that any man who is looking at another man with lust should really look at himself and see what he finds lacking in himself and what he wow. wants to get AJ, from another man hard break yeah. brother thank you very much for coming okay. on get the book when the sun sun frees you 10 books aj benjamin when the sun frees you up next church militant politics and culture welcome back to the terry and jesse show to join the conversation call 888-526-2151 now here's terry and jesse we're back to terry and jesse show uh, we're supposed to have an update with church militant i just uh send them a message our our system just went down we're supposed to have church militant evening news or or they, they come on every Wednesday and tell us about the politics uh, what's happening in the church news and the culture rich I told them to call up triple eight five two six two one five one correct triple eight five two six two one yeah so uh until we get church militant on let me just share with you some things that may be of interest to you I don't know if you realize how many of the Catholics in the United States Senate are pro-life. That's a question I'm asking. There are 25 United States senators who are self-professed Catholics. And how do they vote on the preeminent issue of the sanctity of life? Well, amongst the Democrats... 6.7% of U.S. Senate Catholics uh, are are Democratic senators. Only 6.7% are pro-life. Here are the Catholic senators. Mark Kelly, Democrat from Arizona, pro-abortion. Alex Padilla, Democrat, California, pro-abortion. Dick Durbin, Democrat, Illinois, pro-abortion. Ed Markey, Democrat, Massachusetts, pro-abortion. Catherine Cortez Masto, Democrat, Nevada, pro-abortion. Bob Menendez, Democrat, New Jersey, pro-abortion. Ben Ray Lujan, Democrat, pro-abortion, New Mexico, Democrat, New... New. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Democrat, New York, pro-abortion. Bob Casey, Democrat, Pennsylvania, 
pro-abortion. Jack Reed, Democrat, Rhode Island, pro-abortion. Patrick Leahy, Democrat, Vermont, pro-abortion. Tim Kaine, Democrat, Virginia, pro-abortion. Maria Cantwell, Democrat, Washington, pro-abortion. Pat Murray, Democrat, Washington, pro-abortion. Joe Manchin, Democrat, uh, West Virginia, pro-life. So on the U.S. Senate side, you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You have 16 Catholic senators. Yeah, 16. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 14. 15. Excuse me. 15 Catholic senators on the U.S. Senate side. Only one pro-life. 14 pro-death. That's a shame. Let's take a look at the at the uh, Republican side here. You have 80% of Catholic Republican senators are pro-life. Here they are. Let's, uh, let's go through them. Uh, there's How many Catholic senators are there on the Republican side? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10. 10 Catholic Republican senators. Here they are. Lisa Murkowski, Republican, Arkansas, pro-abortion. Or uh, is it no, Alaska? Excuse me, Alaska pro-abortion. Dan Sullivan, Republican, AK, I think it's Alaska pro-life. Marco Rubio, Republican, Florida pro-life. Jim Risch, Republican, Idaho pro-life. Mike Braun, Republican, Indiana pro-life. Susan Collins, Republican, Maine pro-abortion. Tom Tillis, Republican, North Carolina pro-life. John Haven, Republican, North Dakota pro-life. Pat Toomey, Republican, Pennsylvania, pro-life. Mike Rounds, Republican, South Dakota, pro-life. Well, there you go. Uh, and I'll tell you, which I should probably start talking about it, lukewarm Catholics. The problem we're having, the problem in our society, don't get, don't get me wrong, we have you know, some bad laws, some bad Supreme Court decisions, I get all that. And we have some bad people in general. We got some bad people in general out there. But can you imagine if all Catholics were on board with Jesus Christ and the Catholic gospel, the social kingship of Christ? We would turn this ship around because we have the numbers. But uh, the problem is, is lukewarm Catholicism. That's the biggest problem that we faith. Lukewarm Catholics... They fall under the condemnation of Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, I know your works. I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. Wow. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Uh, I'm seeing here that Church Militant is trying to call they're trying to call up the studio here. Uh, so let me put them in contact with Richard, our engineer here. They're trying to get a hold of Richard, our engineer. So let me uh, just send Church Militant a text. Call Richard. And here's his number. Okay, done. So talking about lukewarm Catholics... 
Lukewarm Catholics, they destroy the faith of weak souls. Lukewarm Catholics destroy, they, they, lukewarm Catholics scandalize and destroy the public image of the church and priests in particular. Lukewarm Catholics, it, it makes the work of evangelization very, very difficult and in many cases impossible. Lukewarm Catholics undermine the authority, the moral authority of the church, and lukewarm Catholics, lukewarmness is like a neutron bomb that goes off in the church. And let's just let's just be honest. God will punish both the men and women who do evil and the good who do nothing to stop the evil. The scandals, the, the corruption, the unrelenting media coverage. The unrelenting media coverage and the church's public disgrace lead to a purification. It's a purifying fire that God willing will bring about much more than just a purification. It's also a judgment. It's nothing less than the hand of God upon the church in this part of the world for the last 40 to 60 years of infidelity, corruption, disobedience, dissent, affluence, and I might add 60 years of lukewarm Catholicism. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you must know that the priests who are lukewarm and lay people who are lukewarm and do such things fall under the condemnation of our Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 3 verse 15. People are sick and tired of lukewarm Catholicism. They're sick of superficial, boring, non-committal Catholic preaching. But this is our present condition. Our people are tired of shepherds who seem to protect the wolves rather than the sheep. They've had enough of the modernist mush New Age nonsense has been shoved down our throats in the place of the true Catholic faith. And people are fed up with the superficial spirituality of butterflies, banners, and balloons. They've had enough of liturgical abuses and irreverence at Holy Mass. It comes in many different forms, by many different names and many different disguises. You can call it lukewarm Catholicism. You could call it cafeteria Catholicism. You could call it modernism. You could call it liberal American Catholicism. You could call it moral relativism. Whatever you choose to call it, it's a fatal disease. It's a killer. And ultimately, it leads to a paralysis of the faith and the ruin of souls, the damnation of souls. Lukewarm Catholicism in all its various forms can be rooted in many things. But if we're to have a robust spiritual health, we must develop seven daily habits. Number one, morning prayer. Number two, spiritual reading. Number three, the rosary, the daily rosary. Number four, daily spiritual communion. Number five, mental prayer. Number six, the angelus. And number seven, daily examination of conscience. These seven habits must take priority in our lives for they're more important than meal, sleep, work, or recreation. And the situation is critical. Just look around you. Do you need more evidence or proof to convince you that God is in reality a low priority in the lives of people, in your own life, and in your family? One of the things that has taken men away is, is the love of sports. 
Sports has become one of the great idols of modern times. In the Old Testament, God punished the Israelites when they turned to idols. They worshiped Baal. We don't worship Baal any longer. Now we worship the God of Baal, baseball, football, basketball, etc. It's time to rebuild the church. Christ said, I've come to cast fire upon the earth and long to see that flame enkindled. You can still pray. If the priests will not listen to you, pray, pray, pray more that God will change their hearts or remove them. It works. St. Teresa of the Little Flower said, Prayer moves hearts far better than words ever can. I know it by experience. Prayer is an invincible weapon. If we don't believe in the real prince of Christ in the Eucharist, we may as well close down our churches and rent out the space. Much of the liturgical experiment has failed. We're not holier. We're not more Christ-centered. In fact, we're facing a generation of young people who have largely lost their faith because we've not given them the precious gift that's at the heart of Catholicism, the real presence of God in the most blessed sacrament. The dethronement of the blessed sacrament has resulted in the enthronement of the clergy and the mass has become priest-centered and people-centered. God said to the prophet Jeremiah, Cursed are those who do the work of the Lord half-heartedly. If you say you love the church and you love the Lord and you can't get fired up now, you never will. There's something wrong. I want to ask all of you to do everything in your power to defend Holy Mother Church. Stand up. Speak up. Rise up to end lukewarm Catholicism. St. Padre Pio said, be firm in your resolution. Stay in the ship in which Christ has placed you. Let the storm and the hurricane come. Long live Christ. You will not perish. What is there to fear? If God is with us, who can be against us? That's a wrap, family. We'll see you next, uh, next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. The Terry and Jesse Show. Keep the faith that is more precious than silver and gold. And remember, let's live and die in a state of sanctifying grace. Let us be holy or die trying.